0: Welcome to the Wake Park Church Weekly Conversations Podcast. This podcast is a ministry of Wake Park Church in Northeast Minneapolis. We do everything we do because we believe life with Jesus is better. We meet for worship on Sundays at 10 a.m. and other groups and ministries on various days of the week. You can learn more by going to wakeparkchurch.org. If you have feedback, questions, or ideas for future episodes, get in touch with us by emailing podcast at weightparkchurch.org. And now, on with today's episode.
1: Well, welcome everyone to the Wait Park Church Conversations podcast. My name is Abby, and I'm going to be hosting this morning's conversation. Here with me I have Holly. Hello. And Brenna. Hi. And Corey.
2: Hi, Abby. Hi. <laughs> <laughs>
1: so we are here today to talk a little bit more about Sunday's message, and if you missed it, I would encourage you to go back and either watch the live, screen, live stream or um, listen to the podcast because it was a very dense message to wrap up our series on learning how to love. Um, so bef- much stuff. So much stuff. The Friday before the, the Sunday message, Corey, you kind of stuck your head out of your office and you said to me, like, I feel like there's a lot of stuff in this sermon, like, I'm just going to say some things and I want to say more, but I don't have time. So I'm just going to have to drop it and leave it. And you were not wrong. (laughs) There were plenty of things. I was actually um, making pizza dough while I was listening to the sermon and I had to keep like wiping flour off my hands and pausing and then furiously scribbling notes on my sermon notes page off on the countertop.
2: So that's always my, that's always my tendency. And so I spend a lot of time editing just pulling things out that I want to say, but I don't have time to say, mm-hmm. um, and so I have to try to figure out what's important, and yeah, it's yeah. it's it's not easy. That's the hardest part of preaching, is determining what not to say.
1: Yeah. Well, fortunately, we have a podcast, so now we can talk some more about some of those things, but before we get into that part of the conversation, I wanted to start off by just asking everyone, what's something that you are thankful for, particularly this Thanksgiving 2020? So we all know this is a weird year, and for a lot of us with the governor's orders here in Minnesota, our Thanksgiving plans have changed. It's not the holiday season that we would have normally anticipated, but what's something that you're thankful for, particularly this year? Well, well, for me,
3: I have, I'm not going back to South Dakota to have Thanksgiving with my family. So it's been great because I've had multiple inv- invitations to other people's Thanksgiving. So that's been really nice mm-hmm. and, and kind to have those um invites and yeah just know that i have family here in in the cities as well
2: so, so the question is given the governor's orders are you going to go
3: um actually i'm not but <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so it's yeah so, but it's it's good it's been it's been fun to see that and, and to know that people have my back if i need it so um i'm really thankful uh we had a meeting for
4: my youngest uh, Abraham yesterday he is getting done with speech services like he's had them for the last three years and he's graduated oh, wow. and done a really good job mm-hmm. and so it's it was kind of one of those really cool moments because they asked us like what um what have you seen what do you think and like being home with him for the last you know year and stuff and he just he talks constantly and he talks to me all the time and and like the time that you i know it can be tiring but other times like (laughs) like the um just the time that I've gotten to have with my kids and see like how smart they are and see the things that they're learning mm-hmm. at school, like through distance learning, like it's been so different than when you send them off and they come back on the bus and you go, how was your day? And they go, fine. And that's the yeah. end of it, you and know? That. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's been just really good. I think our family has come out of a season that was really hectic and to have time that we just got to reconnect has been really good. So...
2: Isn't that the silver lining uh, about COVID? Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of bad stuff about COVID, but yeah. um, the family time I think is something that people will not regret.
4: I feel like yeah. we're so much healthier out of that than
2: yeah um, anything else. So yeah, nice, nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. M- well, mine is mine is similar. Um, although I don't get to spend as much time like with my kids and that, but I. I love having healthy community, like even with the people that, and this is going to sound like pandering or, or flattery, (laughs) but just being able to work with people that you like and enjoy hanging out with, um, and that you trust is, is pretty amazing. (laughs) So that's, that's one of the things that I'm really thankful for. And, and fortunately I've been able to have that pretty much my entire ministry career. Um, there just hasn't been many, I'm, I'm trying to think of any people that I go, man. It was just a drag to come to work because of that person. Uh, I'm just not sure if I've ever had that. And uh, what an incredible blessing, because I, you know, I, I know that that's not always the case.
1: <laughs> right. And in a season like this, where you can't really get away from the people that you're working in close proximity yeah. to, right? <laughs> yeah, particularly a blessing. Mine's kind of similar too. I mean, 2020 has had a lot of unexpected things, but, you know, Andrew and I still got to celebrate our 10-year wedding anniversary back in June, which was, I mean, that was, that was a big deal for us and being able to like celebrate that weekend. um, That was really cool. Um, We also got the opportunity, both of our jobs had us working from home for the first five months of the pandemic. And we've never had that before. So we got to like have lunch together and go on walks in the middle of the day. And there are even days, because now I'm going into the church office um, almost every day. And Andrew, there have been a couple of days that Andrew goes, can you, can you work from home maybe
2: <laughs> like a day
1: so that we can have that again? Never. never <laughs> the boss has spoken. It's never going to happen. <laughs> no, but that's, that's a little thing that, I mean, we've never had that in our, in our relationship, that opportunity to both work from home and have those similar breaks. So that's really been a gift. Well, let's dig into this conversation about learning how to love, specifically speaking the truth in love. Now, Corey, you posed this very unfair question in the message on Sunday of, you know, what should take priority, truth or love? And I think there are probably some people in the congregation like me that wanted to reject the premise of the question altogether. <laughs> because <laughs> we, we talk don't about want that. to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you talked a little bit about um, how they're both important, but that we should be leading with love. Mm-hmm. But that that's a perspective that you haven't always held, that there have been seasons of your life where you would have said that you would lead with truth or perhaps prioritize truth. Mm-hmm. Um, and because that's shifted, I wanted to hear you talk a little bit about what caused that shift what were some of those things that happened along the journey what circumstances or scriptures kind of brought you to that point just tell us a little bit more about that journey
2: yeah that's a it's a long journey so this might take a while um but so the the shift that i've made is not in is is maybe more in agreeing with you that the the premise of the question is a is a false premise yeah. you know that you have to have both but but I grew up in a in a church environment and and I wouldn't I wouldn't call it fundamentalist, but I would call it a you know kind of a typical holiness church environment where there was a a big push for truth and right living and 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 all of that. now uh, as I think about it, truth, is just in the sense of like biblical truth, not necessarily in living the truth in like being um, open about things that you're struggling with, you know, Mm. because that's part of living the truth as well, is just to be open and honest about areas where you struggle living out um, what we're called to live out. And I wouldn't say that there's been a lot of change as far as what I believe the truth is, um, or the importance of truth, I, I think I still think it's very important, but but I just think that oftentimes the manner in which we um, articulate truth to people uh, can oftentimes be just very oppositional, um, and I and I don't think it's very helpful um, in our society or even in the church. And my journey probably started when I got to college and, and I've told this story before in, in sermons, but my mentor was a big part of this. Um, so, you know, he was a, he was a believer in truth as well, you know, very biblically based and, you know, wanted to know the truth of Jesus and wanted right living and and all of that. Uh, but he introduced this idea uh, and and not just introduced it, but he lived this idea of grace that mm-hmm. made me want to pursue the truth. And that's one of the things that I found is, is that for me, grace made the truth believable uh, mm-hmm. or it made it it made it possible to live it out um, <clears throat> because like he, so he had mentored you know, probably to that point in his life, a hundred guys, you know, that's what he, that's what he was. He was a mentor. Um, and he worked for, you know, he was the vice president of the, the university that I went to. Um, but, but really what he was, was a mentor. And I, I can remember going in there, just having so many secret things. And, and, and I was so typical, you know, and especially with college age guys and and probably guys in general, so much of it is, is sexual stuff. And it's, you know, there's a lot of shame uh, around sexual things. Um, and, you know, for, for him to ask me uh, about these very private things, which I wasn't sure how to take at first, like, is this guy <laughs> like a pervert or what's going, you know, what does he want to know about this stuff for, you know? Um, but, uh, but for me to to kind of share these things with him, that were these deep dark secrets, and uh, and to think that I'm the worst sinner in the world, and for him to say, "Really, is that all you got?" <laughs> you know, <laughs> was uh, it, it was amazing because it was life giving, and it and it and it sort of normalized it, not in the sense of making it okay, but. Right. But in the sense that to say, you're not the only one who struggles with this, and the more we can be truthful and the more we can be open and honest about it without shame and without judgment, then then now we can work on it together rather than having it be this thing that's, that's hidden, um, inside and you struggle with, and, and of course, hiddenness really only leads to more struggle, you know, but when you, when you feel like you can be open about it and, and live truth, um, that way then, um, then, you actually can do something about it. You know, it can be out in the open, and there can be accountability and encouragement and and uh, camaraderie in it. Because you know, my experience has been that oftentimes, almost in every case, when I have shared something that was this deep, dark secret, that 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 whoever I shared it with would typically say "me too," mm-hmm. um, and it's and it's so life giving uh, to be able to, to have that and to be able to work on it together. And and the point is not to say, Oh, this is okay. The point is to say, yep, we both struggle with it. So let's, let's do this together. Um, so that was kind of my f- my first, um, real encounter with grace, you know, and, and so love and grace and kindness and all of these things, I sort of lump together in, in, in sort of a similar, um, word cloud i guess i don't know what you call it um but then you know as i started to look in scripture i I started to see a lot of scriptural grounding for it as well Uh, of course we've talked about first corinthians chapter 13 that that over and over and i'm not sure if paul can be much clearer when he says it love is the thing right it it's the thing, and you know all of these other things are great. They're important, spiritual gifts, and you know knowledge and all of that stuff is great. But really, love is the thing, and uh, there. And then I I came, um, I I encountered Romans one and two, and Romans one and two is really interesting because Paul does this sort of. Um, rhetorical trick on the people who are reading it. Um, Because he he goes through there and there's this sort of diatribe, Romans um one eighteen through thirty two. He has this diatribe against the sin of the Gentiles. you know, and he talks about the wrath of God is coming because they suppress the truth of God for lies, and they exchange uh, exchange you know the truth for lies and wickedness, and they suppress the truth and and all of that. Um, and and it really is pretty scathing. and And I actually think that that Paul sort of agrees with that you know, that, that what he's saying would be technically truth. But what's interesting though, is that when he comes to chapter two, he turns the mirror on people. And, uh, and, and it's interesting. I, I gotta, I gotta look it up. Um, because what he's doing there is, is he's, he's getting people to getting the readers to, to nod their heads, the good Christians to nod their heads and saying, yeah, yeah, you know, and, um, These Gentiles
1: are terrible. Their sin is awful. Yes, condemnation. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And then, uh, but then he goes in, in Romans 2, 1, he says, you therefore have no excuse because you who pass judgment on someone else for at whatever point you judge another, you are condemning yourself because you who pass judgment do the same things. Now we know that God's judgment against those who do such things is based on truth, So when you, a mere human being, pass judgment on them and yet do the same things, do you think you will escape God's judgment? And and part of of living in truth is living in the truth that I am a sinner too, right? Okay, and then verse 4 is kind of the kicker for me, where he says, Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance, and patience, not realizing that it's God's kindness that is intended to lead you to repentance? right mm. so it's not god's judgment but it's his forbearance it's his kindness it's his love that then leads us to repentance and oftentimes we get that the, the we we sort of turn that around and we say well if people are going to repent then they have to know the truth you know but actually what has to happen is is they have to get acceptance first and then um, the truth will become possible to the, for them you know, mm-hmm. and uh, and so that's that's kind of the journey that that I've gone on because so much judgment uh, for people. And, and I'm not saying that there's not a place for judgment. I mean, Jesus, you know, uh, turning the uh, the go going into the temple, for instance, mm-hmm. or Jesus uh, and the Pharisees. Most of his judgment was actually saved for religious people. Um, in fact, probably if you look in the Gospels, maybe all of it. Um, so so he did he did judge and had harsh words for people. Uh but but most of the if we're gonna come to the truth and if we're gonna live to the truth, I think there has to be a foundation of acceptance uh first, and then um truth has to be has to sort of follow that. So so that's kind of the the journey that 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 I was on and the and kind of the reason why like I said, I don't think I've shifted away from truth. I still believe in the importance of truth and, you know, doctrine and right living and things like that. But I think our approach to it oftentimes is just not very helpful.
1: Yeah. So I find it interesting that a lot of, like, it sounds like at least the initial and perhaps one of the most significant parts of that journey was an encounter with a person Mm -hmm. who spoke truth and love. Yeah. I think it's pretty easy for us to think of examples of people who have um, spoken the truth not in love <laughs> or perhaps <laughs> pri- prioritized the truth over love. And so I wanted to ask the rest of the group if you have experiences that you can remember that you'd be willing to share where someone did speak the truth in love um, and what kind of impact that had on you. Because it sounds like it was a significant impact for you, Corey, with,
2: yeah, that, it was huge. with that mentor. Yeah, It was, it was everything.
3: So I think for me, when I think of speaking truth and love, I think of my mentor um, and she just, she, I have the mercy gift and she has the mercy gift. And so she was just always coming alongside me and kind of walking me through different situations or just really encouraging me or helping guiding how, um, how I thought about different things. And so it was just, it was always, it didn't even feel like it never felt harsh or hard or whatever. It was just her walking alongside me and kind of correcting and, and reforming different areas or ideas or responses and situations. And so she's the one who I think of when I think of speaking truth in love.
4: Yeah. I mean, I guess I think of when I think of like speaking the truth in love, I think about, um, like wholeness. And so like, I I almost think about like, like therapy, right? Like you go and you like a therapist needs to be able to tell you stuff and, and you give them that permission because you understand that they're about your value. Right. And so Mm -hmm. like, I really love what Corey said about like, you need to value people. Like they need to feel accepted and then they'll accept that truth. And so, I mean, I guess for me with people, um, I like my mom is amazing because she gets me. I think because I am her pretty much, and so <laughs> like she, uh, I there. will just be times where I'm just spinning, and I just I go talk to her, and she she plucks the lies out. You know, like Mm -hmm. I, she, she leaves the truth and she plucks the lies and sometimes she goes, stop, like you need to stop. (laughs) And I go, I know I do, you know, but I know that, (laughs) I know that she's coming from a place of like loving me with everything that she is. And so what she's asking of me is for my good. And I think that, um, yeah, when I when when church people say speak the truth in love, they mean like say mean things without calling names sometimes. <laughs> and like I feel like that's not when you love somebody like and you see something that's hurting them and that is toxic in your life in their life like you love them through that and you accept mm-hmm. them through that and you and you pluck the lie out so that they can be free. And and it's totally just a different thing than judging, you know.
1: It's it's interesting that you bring up therapy because um the the example that comes most clearly to my mind is actually from um an experience that I had with a counselor that Andrew and I saw for a while over Skype. Like there were times where we saw him together, there were times that it was just Andrew, and then there were stretches of time where it was just me meeting with him. And at one point we had been meeting with him in a variety of capacities for like a year, and he had spent a lot of time listening and asking thoughtful questions. Um, he'd been a pastor, so he had that pastoral element to the counseling that he brought to. And I just remember one day that he was like, okay, Abby, I have a hard truth to tell you. Are you ready for it? Mm-hmm. And I <laughs> I joked with him. I was like, I was on my comfy couch. I was surrounded by pillows. I had my blanket. I had my cup of tea, and I just kind of like nestled back into the pillows. I'm like, okay, <laughs> tell me. <laughs> and he pointed out that there was this broken sinful pattern that I had seen in someone else's life. But in reality, that same broken sinful pattern was, it was being borne out in my own life mm-hmm. in a slightly different way that didn't make it as obvious. And when he pointed it out, it hurt <laughs> because mm-hmm. I did not want that particular, I didn't want to see that part of myself. I didn't want to acknowledge that that broken mm-hmm. pattern was within me. But it was also freeing because it was spoken with such love. It was in the context of relationship, a person who had spent so much time listening and trying to understand that by the time you got to the point of speaking that really hard truth, it landed and it made a difference. And it's continued to make a difference moving out mm-hmm. from there.
2: Yeah, and that's and that's one of the fundamental um, the, the one of the fundamentals about communication, right, is you have to speak in a way that people will be able to hear it and accept it. And, mm-hmm. uh, and too often, we just think inflicting the truth is the way to go, when actually, what that does is it just raises people's defense mechanisms, and, uh, and they'll be more likely to to reject it. And, and so, you know, you have to be able to communicate acceptance first and understanding, like, yeah, you know, we might not have the same perspective, but I can see where you're coming from. But mm-hmm. now, here, let me let me um, let me share this with you. And uh, and it's just is, is so much easier to to accept when you come at it from that approach. And and it's actually believable uh, because I think <clears throat> a lot of times people who are truth inflictors will say they're doing it for the benefit of the other, mm-hmm. but it's just not believable to people. And yeah. <clears throat> and again, that doesn't. That doesn't not, sometimes people are not going to accept it. And sometimes they're just not going to believe that, that you actually do care about them. But mm-hmm. I I don't think we can blame them when we give them every reason to think that we don't care about them by, by how we say it and how we treat them um, outside of that particular truth conversation, you know? Mm-hmm. So there, I think there, to some degree, there needs to be a, uh, Another uh, there there needs to be some kind of a relationship of trust that's already set a foundation that's there before you can feel like it's your place to to speak truth to them,
1: mm-hmm. yeah. So you talked about that idea of inflicting the truth and some of these harmful motivations that we can have for speaking the truth. Um this is in Sunday's message. Talking about, you know, sometimes we speak the truth to try to impress others, to hurt people, to mark our territory, to distract from the truth. And as I was listening to you talking about those on Sunday and just kind of like going through the list rather quickly, (laughs) it was another place where I felt like I needed to stop and reflect on the times that I've done that too with the truth. And I don't know exactly what category it falls into, but I remember very clearly an experience where I build out some truth that just seemed very obvious to me. And it was like I thought I was with a person that would very much affirm that truth. And as soon as it left my mouth, I watched his face completely change. And I realized that the truth that I had spoken hit a place deep in his own heart that actually did a lot of damage, um, not just to him but to our relationship and uh, had a lot of other effects. And so I wanted us to spend some time talking about where we get some of these harmful motivations for speaking the truth and how we can be rooting them out of our lives because the truth is too important for us to be inflicting it on people in a way that causes them not to receive it or to reject it like what do we do here how do we how do we root this stuff out as i as i've wrestled with this one like i'm i'm not Like, I feel like there's different
4: contexts for truth-telling, right? Like, there's that space where you're in relationship with somebody and, like, I'm speaking this because I'm seeing you hurt and I know that this is the thing and I know that you're stuck and I'm going to help you in that space. And, like, I think that that, like, in that place and and when you actually just really genuinely care about that person, like, you're going to pick which hill you're going to die on, right? And you're doing it because you love them and and then i think that there's other spaces um like especially in in places of like activism and like i think this is where it gets kind of muddy sometimes cuz like you know everybody's a facebook warrior right like everybody's mm. got these places where like we want to like throw throw truth out and it doesn't always like land and and i guess like I don't know that it landing though, is the necessarily the the right way to look at it. Like I think mm. when you look at how Jesus talked to the Pharisees, that didn't land. I mean, that was not something that right. like changed their heart. He wasn't coming at them for them. He was coming at them for the benefit of the people that they were oppressing, right? Mm. And so like yeah. is it's a great point. Is there a space where we speak truth? Um, sometimes harshly, not because we expect to change that person, but because the person who has been speaking lies to somebody else needs to be silenced because Mm -hmm. of like the truth that that person needs to hear. And so you're like choosing that person's heart. And I feel like that's the place where I really have a ton of tension in my life because I don't want to hurt people. I want to be like loving and kind and gentle. But I feel like Mm -hmm. that really perpetuates some stuff that shouldn't be there because Mm -hmm. I think we we use kids' gloves with people that are not living good ways and that are being mean and that are being – Using power wrong and different stuff, and so I think as as I've thought about this and 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 Corey's message, like I've been like, I don't know what I think about that. That's what <laughs> that's what my wrestle this week. So,
2: yeah, no, that's a that's a great point. That that sometimes when we speak the truth, it's it's for the benefit, not necessarily of the person that we're speaking the truth to, but for the benefit of others, especially when it's in the in the context of of someone who's hurting someone else right um that's that's kind of what justice is about so yeah definitely you know i i think the 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 big issue there you know like with facebook warriors and stuff is is what what are you doing outside facebook you know are mm-hmm. you and and then even then like is your is your intent to divide or unite you know ultimately is there is there redemption possible if they do happen to, to repent and turn and and all of that, or then do they just become public enemy number one and they, and they stay there, you know? So I think those are, those are probably the considerations to make in that case. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. So maybe the question becomes, what are the ways that we can, how can we be speaking truth in ways that build bridges towards wholeness and um, The mending of broken relationships in every sphere rather than just what sounds comfy in any particular Mm -hmm. moment. Because I think that's such an important point, Brenna, that there is a difference between a discipling relationship. And then when you're seeing a group of people or a person that's being actively harmed by some other people, like that's not necessarily when you see someone being beaten up in the street, that's not necessarily the moment that you stand off on the other side of the street and say, excuse me, guys, guys, would you, would you, (laughs) mm -hmm, would you you maybe just tone it down a little, let's use safe hands, you know?
2: (laughs) Yeah. But, but, but there also can be, um, there also can be an element of relationship even in that, you know, that, that if you can go to that group, you know, let's, I, I envision, you know, picketers, you know, on different Mm -hmm. sides of the street. And it's one thing to hold signs and shout at each other from across the street. Um, it's another to be willing to go over there and who knows what's going to happen to you. Right. Um, but, but to, to go over there and to be willing to, to put your body where your mouth is, um, I think is, you know, I think there's probably an element of, of that as well. I, you know, and I think, I think of uh you know Martin Luther King jr. as an example of this he you know he would get out there and pick it and he would say some pretty harsh things, but he was always willing to sit down with the other mm. side and and talk it through um and you know not everybody wanted to or were willing to uh but he was he was always willing because his his goal was always restoration, not just anger and division and and drawing lines and and all of that. You know, the, his ultimate goal was, I want restoration to happen.
4: Yeah. Well, and his goal was change. And if we want change mm-hmm. to happen, you can't, like, as we dig each other's trenches deeper and deeper and deeper, like it, it mm-hmm. actually sideswipes change. Yeah. You know.
2: True. Mm-hmm.
1: So this kind of uh, it leads into my next question because one of one of the standout points from the sermon was. Um, this, this quote right here where you said, Corey, our w- unwillingness to truth or speak the truth is a sign of spiritual immaturity. Failure to do it in love is equally so. So if we're going to choose not to ignore these tough conversations, if we're going to say, we're, you know, as believers that are growing in maturity, we're going to dig in here. We're going to figure out how to do this. When you know that there's a hard truth that you know someone needs to hear, What is your approach?
2: We're, we're talking in a discipling context here?
1: I, I would probably say the discipling context, but since Brenna brought up this altogether other context, I mean, you can go into Sorry. either one, I guess. Okay. No, don't, don't <laughs> apologize. I think it's great to be thinking about this in a nuanced way because there Absolutely. are different contexts that we need to be thinking about. So I think for me, it, it, having these conversations is
3: doing it in prayer kind of, again, taking time, like humility, I think is a huge part of, you know, not trying to impress people or hurt people or mark our territory. I mean, humility is a key component of that. And you had mentioned that on Sunday through the sermon. So again, checking your motives, like making sure that you're evaluating how you're, you're walking out what you, the conversation you want to have and how that's working out in your area. And then, I think also letting go of expectations on that person because, again, you can speak truth in love and it can be in a relationship of love and they might be able to receive it and they might not be able to receive it. And being okay either way, but still continuing to choose to love them and show that you care about them throughout before the conversation and after the conversation.
1: Yeah, I really struggle with that, Holly, because sometimes Mm -hmm. when I've thought it in my brain, like it's something that I've spent a lot of time praying about or in scripture on, like it just in my brain, there's no other way that you could mm-hmm. possibly think of this. And so sometimes mm-hmm. when I lay that out for someone, it's like, how could, what do you mean you don't mm-hmm. understand? Or like, right. you're, you're really not going to change as a result of that. So that's, that's mm-hmm. definitely an internal struggle for me. I think more over the past several years, I've leaned, tried to lean more into, especially in a discipling relationship creating as much opportunity for the Holy Spirit to speak mm-hmm. rather than for me to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, and to kind of shape and guide the conversation based on like things that we're reading together in scripture or mm-hmm. things that we're praying about together. I, I, yeah. Yeah. Just trying to let him do more of that mm-hmm. <laughs> conversation, yep. convincing, convicting, all of those things than trying to do it myself. Right.
2: And so what does that what does that mean? How do you how do you create that space? Like what are the practical things that you do there?
1: Yeah, so right now I have a couple of friends who are at wrestling with a really deep question. Um and they came to me saying that they wanted to figure out what the Bible had to say about that question. And so um what I did was I went through and I I kind of wove together um, a, several different um angles and perspectives that you can take on that particular question and certain things that I felt like were big rocks in the conversation in terms of, you know, what foundation needs to be laid um, in our understanding of scripture. And we've been walking through those passages together. I send them like little bits at a time with some questions to think about. And then we get on a video call and we talk about those things and wrestle with some of those questions. And it's funny because I actually, I have very clear thoughts <laughs> on the answers to their questions. And I'm trying not to to let on what it is that I actually think and just let God's word speak for himself for itself um and allow them to pray and allow the holy spirit to speak and it's it's funny cuz they told me at one point they were like we have no idea what you actually think about this like you're playing it so close to the vest I'm like that has got to be <laughs> the lord veiling that but yeah it's it's walking through scripture with them and asking those questions that create space for the holy spirit to speak
2: because you want cuz cuz you want scripture to be the standard of truth not what you not your interpretation of it or right. that and, right. that, and that's not to say that our interpretation can never be truthful uh, right. but but I think ultimately you know we always have to submit our interpretation you know back, which is why I think we have to continue to go back to scripture and with you know with um I think an open mind yeah. and say all right what is it what is it really saying here yeah. to filter out some of the things that that we've been taught and again it doesn't necessarily mean that what we've been taught is necessarily wrong um but, uh, but, you know, just to continue to go back to it uh, to Scripture as a source of truth.
1: Yeah, and there have been times that I've had to, to firmly redirect. Like there there are certain words that you can't stretch their meaning too mm-hmm. far in Scripture. or at, like when we see the word love in Scripture, we need to not impose our understanding of love or our definition of love, but look to, okay, when when B- the Bible says that God is love, what is what is the definition of love that's being used? and let's go back to that because sometimes we can pull that out in weird directions in terms of what our society thinks mm-hmm. it should be. Um, so there have been a few sticking points for me where I'm like, no, that's not actually where we can where we can take that thought let's mm-hmm. let's take it back to what the scripture is actually saying. And I think when it's the Holy
3: Spirit that's kind of weaving that into them then it it becomes not just like information that they know or knowledge that they have. It can come like things that they can live out. You know, we talk about the habits and and kind of shifting our desires. So I think part of that is, you know, he, the Holy Spirit can use us in speaking or um, like what you had shared too, of just using the scripture and kind of helping that to, to mold and guide. So it is more of a transformation rather than just information that they have. I think, uh,
4: you talked about truthing, which, like, is now my new hashtag. Like, I've moved on from adulting to truthing. And and yet, like, when I think about, you know, hashtag adulting, like, the whole point is not that you yeah. do the thing, but that you begin to think like the thing, right? Like, yeah. hashtag adulting is I'm not going to sit here because I don't want to move. I'm going to do it because I need to, like, motivate myself to actually care about life. And, like... True thing I think is that that same idea like I need to live truth all the time like if I'm somebody who's just like speaking truth into people's lives and I am not having truth spoken to me I am not Mm -hmm. I am not being transparent I am not somebody who like you can call me on my stuff the same way that I'm calling you on your stuff like Mm -hmm. I'm not pretending that I know everything and am everything and am perfect. And therefore I'm going to judge you, but like you have seen my mess. And when mm-hmm. I talk to you about your mess, I go, I do this too. And here's yeah. where I'm at. And here's what I've learned as I have fallen on my face a thousand times. And I don't want you to go through what I went through. So here it is. Like, I think mm-hmm. um, the thing that I've really learned in the last couple of years is like how frustrating not speaking truth is. like when I feel like mm. I have to pretend that I'm not something or pretend that I don't think something because I feel like, you know, somebody's gonna think I'm being political or whatever it is that they they don't like about what I have to say. like when i when I um, hold back the truth, it becomes a an irritant in my soul. And so then mm. when I mm. do go talk to them about it, I'm mad. Like I'm finally like, it gets to that point that I can't hold it in anymore. And then I'm just like, you know what your problem is? You need to this. <laughs> you know, i <And> like, I've <laughs> I've lost, I've lost that heart where if I had just said it in the moment in love mm. and just gone, you know, this this seems like you're hurting here. And it seems like you're hurting because of this. Like mm-hmm. if I had just done that and just had truth be who I am as a person and and not try to be so not, not manipulative, but so like careful about where and when I speak it if it's if it's a mm-hmm. natural thing, I think people get used to hearing truth from you, you know,
1: yeah, there's an interesting connection there to to like Matthew eighteen where Jesus talks about like you. Keep short accounts. Like if there's someone that you need to seek forgiveness from, or that like there's something wrong. There's there's something that happened, and there's truth that needs to be spoken, or forgiveness that needs to be sought. Like, go do it. Like leave your sacrifice and go take care of it Mm. because that's that's important. And I think I think there's something to what you're saying there, Brenna, in that like when we. When we don't express truth and love and we kind of let that fester and build within us, it it turns into something that I think can start to explode into those Facebook warrior moments or you know, just mm-hmm. something ugly that's not loving well in a in a
4: conversation that you've got skin in the game of them caring or like, you know, this is the thing that that bugs me about you. It's the thing that I've allowed mm-hmm. to um to hurt the love that I have for you. Like the thing that irritates me about you is this thing. And so when I finally get up the guts to talk about it, you had better do what I say, or you had better <laughs> receive what I say, or like, you know, because I've had this conversation in my brain a thousand times. And, and, I, and I've made you accepting that truth, the end goal. You know, and and that Mm. if you don't change, I'm not gonna love you. And and now we've we've taken that acceptance piece out, you know. And I think that Mm. um, I think that so many times we're so afraid to speak the truth. And it does, it becomes this gigantic thing. And I think about like the relationships in my life, the relationships I've seen around me, where you're like, I haven't talked I haven't talked to my aunt in 12 years. Why not? Well, she this. And whatever it is is like so silly, but like it became right. this thing, you know.
1: Yeah. And you're right. That takes it. Corey talked about like our focus needs to be for the benefit of the other person. Mm-hmm. In this, like we're supposed to, this is all about the benefit of the other person. And you're right; when it festers, it becomes not about their betterment, but about them doing what you want them to do.
2: I'm going to say something because it bugs me that you you do this, right?
1: Okay.
3: I wonder.
2: One of the things that I've been thinking about is I wonder how much uh, the expectation of perfection. Plays into our inability to speak the truth. Now, mm. would you say that it's true that we don't expect perfection from other people in general, but we expect mm-hmm. it from ourselves?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think my I expectation would... is I want people to try. I want you to consistently try. I'm more mm-hmm. bothered when you don't try. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, but yeah, I think my, my standards for myself are higher than standards I have for other people. Right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
2: Yeah. So, so for me, I, I have an expectation of perfection. Um, not for other people. I understand that other people struggle, right. But not me. I'm not supposed to struggle, you know, with sin or, you know, wrong doctrine or whatever. I, I should have it all figured out by now. I mean, I've been a pastor for 20 some years. So, you know, um, and, and so some of, so we, there has to be i think in the church an environment where people are able to accept the truth in love right mm-hmm. where where we let go of this expectation of absolute perfection because i think when we have to be perfect or we're not valuable that's when we don't accept it we don't want to hear truth that other people speak to us and we get really bothered by it because it's it's basically other people affirming what we already know about ourselves but don't want to admit, hmm. you know that that I can be a jerk sometimes that that sometimes you know what i I don't know everything, and uh when other people affirm that, then it's you know it's it hurts you know because mm-hmm. I haven't successfully hidden it, i guess I don't know <laughs>
1: hmm. so that leads me to to my to my last question or what I think is my last question is that um. One of the ways that you had talked about um, truthing in love is by immersing ourselves in scripture. And so I wonder if there are scriptures that either guide and shape you in speaking the truth to others, or as a slight twist to that, are there scriptures that guide and shape you in being postured to receive truth? So I I know I didn't give you that second angle to the question, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but just uh, opening it up to that possibility. So the first that came to, to my mind is First
3: Thessalonians 2.8. Um, and I'm going to read it from the New Century version because I like how it's worded. But it says, because we loved you, we are happy to share not only God's new, good news with you, but even our own lives um, because you've become so dear to us. So I think for me, it's it's about having that relationship and, again, living in love. And I think part of it is, is you know, we talk about speaking truth in love and it's saying the hard things, but I think it's also like what I like about this first is they also shared who they were with the people that they were um Ministering to, and so I think it's just being vulnerable. It's asking for help. It's sharing part of ourselves, and with them. It's not just saying hard things. It's it's being real. It's being transparent. It's being authentic, people, and and talking through who we are with them, and and again walking alongside them in relationship.
1: Yeah, Galatians six one is what had come to my mind as I was thinking about this. It says, if someone is caught in a sin. You who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently, but watch yourselves or you also may be tempted. And that verse has been shaping to me not just in how I interact with other people, but also um, in lifting the judgment out of my own heart and making sure that I am speaking that in love because if that person who I respect and trust can fall prey to that sin, there go I, but for the grace of God too. Like I just, they're susceptible to sin, and I am too. I need to be open to the fact that I can be wrong. I have been wrong, and I am currently wrong <laughs> mm-hmm. in, in at least one, if not multiple, ways.
2: Yeah, and and I think that's similar to Jesus in in uh, Matthew seven, where he talks about don't judge lest you be judged. Yeah. And and I'm not I'm not sure. Whether he's talking about God's judgment, but I think you know if you, if you keep reading there, um, he he basically says that you know with the same measure that you judge other people, you will be judged. And so I think there's just a real practical element to that to say mm-hmm. watch out, you know, because if you're if you're judging other people. Um, but yet you're doing this, you know, basically, if you're acting hap- hypocritically, um, then other people are going to judge you just as harshly as you judge other people. And so if you have grace for other people, even even as you speak the truth to them, then they're going to be more likely to have a little grace for you when they speak the truth to you. So, I think there's that element there as well, even in in Jesus's teachings. And of course, um Ephesians chapter four is a is a pretty good four uh, fifteen is a pretty mm-hmm. good uh, scripture for that as well.
3: Yeah.
4: Um, I think I love like the woman at the well, where um, mm-hmm. like Jesus comes in and and he takes stock of all of the things. I think sometimes like speaking truth, there's layers that you need to get through. Mm. Like, I feel like sometimes I come in and I, I think I know what the problem is. And I think I know what I should say. And then, like, when you let somebody talk, like, Jesus started with her and she just kept, like, throwing, like, throwing different excuses at him and throwing different, mm. like, roadblocks at him. And he just kept he kept listening and he kept coming under and he kept coming under and he kept coming under. And instead of getting like stuck in these fights, like he could have gotten stuck in a fight about whether or not Samaria was a proper place to worship. I mean, that had been, you know, (laughs) multiple. but he heard you don't, allow me to worship God. You don't think that I get to be part. And he came underneath the argument to where the actual hurt was and he spoke truth to that. He said if you worship in spirit and truth, that's what I want. I don't care what mountain you're on. Like let's get all of the junk out of the way and let's like let's hear the lie that has held you and let's break it so that the truth frees you. And then Mm. she finds God and like all of the stuff with the men in her life, all of the different ways that she had been rejected and hurt and broken again and again had been reasons that people spoke truth about how junky she was as a person to her. I mean, that was why she was there Mm. in the middle of the day, but like Jesus took all that stuff and saw That like in the midst of it, that was her hurt. That was her trauma. That wasn't like proof that she was an awful person, but it was hurts that he had to heal with the truth that he accepted her and that he loved her. And that truth changed her. And like I guess when I think about like the truth and love, like they're the same, right? Like mm-hmm. the depth of the love of Jesus for us is what makes the stuff that we're doing to try and get through life not necessary. All of that sin, all of that stuff that we do, so much of it is to try and fill the hole in our souls. And like if we can get to that place where like Jesus's depth of love for who you are and his acceptance for just your existence, that he would rather die than live without. You. I mean, if that truth gets to the center, everything else is just a, a thing that you need to express. And so I think, um, I just think like that, that story, I've heard it preached so many times where like, mm-hmm. she just comes out looking like this horrible person. And yeah. really like, she was just broken by every part of life and he loved her so deeply and like yeah i think that's that's the one that really changed how i speak truth because i listen for the hurt and i try and i try and heal it you know
2: that's amazing. As you as you say that, what what comes to mind is is that so often when we try to inflict truth on people, we're doing it at a surface level. We're saying it kind of like the the analogy uh, on Sunday of the doctor. You go to the doctor yeah. and they don't really listen to what the symptoms are, and they uh, prescribe something for you that actually doesn't treat what's really wrong with you. And so I think you're you're I think you're right on, Brenna. Um, when it comes to that that truth has to be spoken at a deeper level and in order to be able to to see that deeper level you have to kind of put yourself in their shoes or you have to understand the things that go into that cuz i don't i really don't think and i could be wrong about this but i don't think that that most people are just defiantly rebellious i think a lot of times the the sin mm. that happens that that people um that people do in life come from from deep places trying to fulfill a, a different kind of need and and oftentimes we were too quick to judge people as bad people um and not try to figure out and and we don't have to psychoanalyze everyone, you know but um but i but i think i just think a lot of times the the issue or the truth that we're trying to get at is is not quite as simple as what we make it out to be when we just look at the surface
1: yeah and that circles back to that need to be really listening and following the holy spirit's lead because there could be things that stand out to us as something external whether it's a behavior or a lifestyle choice or what something that we can see clearly on the outside And the Holy Spirit may be saying, you know, yes, I'm going to address that, but there's actually this other thing that's going on underneath. And he may have a very different list of priorities than we do in terms of what truth needs to be spoken where in that person's life. And when we can listen and follow his leading in that, I think we're going to end up erring more on the side of love than not. Well, I I know that we've probably given our podcast listeners plenty of food for thought. You're going to have your stomachs filled tomorrow at Thanksgiving, hopefully, and now your brains are full right along with it. Um, but we hope that you have enjoyed this conversation um, talking more about speaking the truth in love, hashtag truthing. That might end that might end up on our social media. Yeah. <laughs> Hashtag true thing. But we're so glad that you have joined us. we we'll hope that we hope that you'll join us whether in person or on the live stream this Sunday as we kick off the Advent season and um, look forward with anticipation and hope for Jesus' coming at Christmas. That's all we have for you today. We'll catch you guys next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.
0: You've been listening to the Wait Park Church Weekly Conversations Podcast a ministry of Wake Park Church in Northeast Minneapolis. If you like what you've heard and you don't currently have a church community, we'd love for you to join us. If you have feedback, questions, or ideas for future episodes, get in touch with us by emailing podcast at wakeparkchurch.org.